1: Hello, everyone, and welcome to Journey to Success Radio Network. My name is Tom Utah Cunningham. I'm a Napoleon Hill Foundation certified instructor and resiliency expert, helping people to think, speak, and act positively through the challenges of life. My co-host today is my good friend, my mentor, my
0: coach, uh, Brad Zollin. Great. Thank you, Tom. My name is Brad Zalas, and I am the author of Liquid Leadership from Woodstock to Wikipedia. And what that uh, means, basically, is I delve into the generational divide. I help smart companies inspire and increase productivity by integrating millennials into your workforce culture. Anybody having problems with millennials out there? I'm the guy you call. Uh, But anyways, uh, before we really, really dig in with today's guest. I want everybody to go get a pen and piece of paper or something to write with because, as you know, here on Journey to Success, we always interview the best and brightest minds that have started some pretty amazing uh, movements, I would say. We don't just... Am I right, Tom? To interview...
1: I wanted to interview people who were making a positive impact on the world.
0: So this is today's guest for sure. Excellent. Today's guest is Dr. Ivan Meisner. Let me tell you a little bit about him. He is the founder and chairman of BNI, the world's largest business networking organization. BNI was founded in 1985. The organization now has over 6,600 chapters throughout every populated continent of the world. Last year alone, BNI generated 5.4 million referrals, resulting in over $6.5 billion worth of business for members called The Father of Modern Networking by CNN, and The Networking Guru by Entrepreneur Magazine, Dr. Meisner, is considered to be one of the world's leading experts on business networking and has been a keynote speaker for major corporations and associations throughout the world. He has been featured in the LA Times, Wall Street Journal, and New York Times, as well as numerous TV and radio shows, including CNN, the BBC, and the Today Show on NBC. Dr. Meisner was recently named Humanitarian of the Year by the Red Cross. Oh, and by the way, in his spare time, he is also an amateur magician and a black belt in karate. Please welcome to the show Dr. (laughs) Ivan Meisner. Thank you,
2: gentlemen. Thank you. It's a pleasure being on.
0: Fantastic. Uh, I want to dig right in and just get right to the meat of this. How has networking changed over the past 30 years?
2: Well, you know, clearly, uh, online networking, social networking, uh, has added a great deal to the mix, and I think, in in, in, for the most part, in a positive way, because it enables people who meet one another uh, who don't live near one another to stay connected. It particularly, I think, is effective for young people who um, have left college and they want to stay in touch with some of the people who were close to them throughout their university or college experience. And, you know, when I, when I graduated, when I did my um, uh, doctoral degree in 93, uh, you know, there was no such thing as the internet and there were a handful of people I would have loved to stay in touch with. But over time, you just, you lose contact with these people and, and, you know, sitting down and writing a letter or picking up a phone and and calling them uh, at some point, there's only a few people left from that experience that you continue to do that with. Whereas with social media, you know, you can stay connected with people um, easily through Facebook or, or other mediums, LinkedIn. And, um, and it's funny because I've actually reconnected with many people from my past as a result of it. So that, that's one of the biggest changes um, that I've seen over the years.
0: Yes. And in case some of you who are listening don't uh, realize this, I think, uh, Ivan, you, you saw a big, huge chunk missing in the marketplace, because if you went back to the 1950s, let's say, and even the 60s, most people belong to a civic club, like a VFW, or they belong to a Lions or Kiwanis Club or Rotary, and you got a lot of your business connections through those associations. Well. For some reason, over the years, as we came into the 70s and 80s, that fell out of vogue. So I think your, your timing was impeccable with that, wouldn't you say?
2: I think the timing was good. I think also um, there's another factor that is also related to timing, and that is that uh, in the 70s and even until the mid-80s, um, most of those organizations that you're talking about uh, were for men only. Mm, uh, you yeah. couldn't join Rotary or Lions or Kiwanis. Um, you know, certainly the military wasn't open to women. So VFW, uh, a lot of those fraternal organizations, of course, didn't allow women in. And so you, you saw more and more in the '70s and '80s a proliferation of uh, women-owned businesses. And when you have that, um, you, what you have are a lot of business people who are looking around and saying, "You know, I, I can't play. I'm not." <laughs> I can't play in that context. So uh, they, many women's business organizations were really about doing business because th- this was all new to them. And wow. so I um, actually, back in the 80s, I actually belonged to a woman's business organization called NABO, National nice. Association of Women Women Business Owners. And uh, my, my uh, partner in the business uh, was a woman, and it was – you know, it seems somewhat natural, but I was the one to go, which was really strange because I would go to these networking events with a 100 women in the room, and I'd be the only guy. They, they would let token men in every now and then, you know, and uh, it, there was no rule against it. But the thing is, the guys didn't want to go. Now, here's, here's the beauty of it is as long as you're A, not a male showiness pig or B, not looking for a date, you mm-hmm. can do great in these women's business organizations because you stand out. You know, everyone who competed with me that was in the room had a disadvantage in that everyone knew who I was and what I did because I was almost always the only guy. So what I saw was women really focused on business. And I realized that there was uh, a need uh, that really wasn't being tapped in, in the business community to have both men and women focus on getting together in a, in a uh, meeting a network, and network, and really just focusing first and foremost on business.
0: That's interesting that you brought that up because I'm a big fan of the diversity model, and you come up with ideas by using people of different backgrounds, different genders, uh, different generational uh, uh, backgrounds, and. This is an era, when you started going to these women business groups, this was the era of women wearing shoulder pads in their suits, and you know, Dallas and Dynasty were on, and this was, this was brand spanking new. And for you to go in, uh, A says two things. You're, a, you're a pioneer, and you're fearless. And the other thing is, is, there's a side to the way women do business and networking that's very different from men. And this is something I want to talk about, because men have a tendency to be hunters, we spirit, mm-hmm. and then we feed ourselves, okay? Women, on the other hand, are more like farmers. They kind of, yeah. they, they plant the seeds for each other, they see the bigger picture, they see a network uh, as their, their source, their tool. And do you want to talk a little bit about that? Because I think that's a fascinating model in this day and age as well.
2: Yeah, you've got two really interesting points there. One is the diversity question. Um, I think by nature... Uh, networks are by nature clumpy. That, that's the technical term. Clumpy. They're, they're cluster-like. We tend to we tend to hang out with people like ourselves.
0: You know,
2: they they look like us, they sound like us, they have their edu- this, a, a similar educational background, a similar socioeconomic uh, demographic, and the truth is that if you want to build a powerful personal network, it needs to be diverse because if you have people in your personal network who don't look like you, sound like you don't have the same background, don't have all the same interests, um, then you have somebody who is a connector. They connect you to other clumps, to other clusters of people that are more like them. And so you see the more diverse your network, the more likely you are to have connectors who connect you to these other clusters of people. And that's counterintuitive because people like to hang out with people like themselves. You know, Mm -hmm. they they, they just gravitate to people with similar interests. But that doesn't work well in building a network. So that was was your first point, which I think is critical. Mm -hmm. The second point is even more interesting, and that's the difference between men and women and how they network. I, 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 you guys may or may not know, I wrote a book on that. It's called um, Business, Networking, and Sex, Not What You Think. That, right. That's the
0: subject. <laughs> not what you think. <laughs> I'm already
2: interested. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I'm listening. <laughs> well, it, it's, a, it's a different – it, the whole book is about the difference between men and women and how they network. Right. And we based it on a survey of 12,000 people we did all over the world, worldwide, not just BNI members, open to the public, 12,000 people. And we found uh, something really close to what you were talking about just now. We found that uh, men are more likely than women, based on surveys of 12,000 people, to be more transactional in their networking. Hi, my name's Ivan. Let's do business. And you know right. just get right to doing business. Women tend to be more relational in the way they do business. Uh, um, yeah. for, for example, I mean, here's a really good example. one of the women I interviewed um, that talked about this, and I, and I saw I, oh, I saw a perfect example of it actually, but it jumped out at me when I heard this woman talking about this. she She would um, go to networking events and rather than start with, uh, "So what do you do? Tell me about what you do." Instead, she would start with a question like, how did you hear about tonight's event? And I saw a woman do that not, not long after. <clears throat> and there, I was there with another guy and this woman, and um, one woman asked another woman, well, you know, how did you hear about the event? And the woman starts to say, oh, you know, I have a really good friend. Her name is Sally, and Sally invited me. And the woman who asked the question said, Sally, you know Sally? I know Sally. How do you know Sally? So I look over to the guy standing next to me, and he's like, oh, please, bleed me out. (laughs) Who cares about Sally? I'm here to do business. And that was the perfect difference between men trying to be transactional, come on, let's just talk about business, and women first starting out by being relational. Now, here's where it gets really ugly for men. When we took gender out of it, And we just looked at relational versus transactional. We found that people, whether they were a man or a woman, who focused on being relational first and then talking about business, did better at generating business than people who were transactional
0: first and then built a relationship. That's incredible. And anybody who's listening, especially if you're a guy, you're a dude, you know, <laughs> and you you have the hunter model in you, you might want to step back and take a few notes from this because they found, and you know the statistic, uh, Dr. Meisner, you know that basically they found that if a board of directors on a publicly held company has three or more women on that board, they do 40% better in the marketplace. And it's really about this relationship ideology and and i don 't know if you've ever uh, seen mark Dungor. Uh he's a he's a pastor he talks about the difference between men and women 's brains, and he basically says that men 's brains we have boxes for each thing that we believe in and like, like there's a box for fishing there's a box for uh you know working on a car there's a box for box for work, and there's a box that's empty, and none of our boxes touch okay <laughs> But for women, their brain works more like Christmas tree lights. There's a connection. You know, let's go back to that Sally piece. They see Sally, and there's five other subcategories that are attached to that uh, word Sally and who Sally is connected with and her business connections and who she's connected to. And this is incredibly powerful because in this day and age, in the 21st century of the information age, How many of you have learned that it's very hard to just get business by showing up? It's very hard nowadays. People have been, uh, I I guess the word is numbed by marketing and sales and all this and the economy being down. So now, guess what? The only way you're going to win this game is if you start to plant seeds and you start to give back. And you talk about this, givers gain. You know, by planting those seeds, by creating relationships, eventually people look at you and go, what is his or her secret? I want to know. I want to help them because they've helped me so much. And this idea of giver's gain, you want to go into that a little bit?
2: You know, giver's gain is the philosophy of the organization I started, BNI. Uh, You mentioned BNI in the introduction. Right. We've got thousands of chapters in about sixty countries around the world, and, and our whole, whole philosophy is predicated on this idea of what goes around comes around. That um, you know, if I help other people, that they're going to help me as well. And we're very clear about explaining that this is not a transactional process either. It's not like, uh, hey, Brad, uh, you 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 give me some help here on this, and then I'll I'll, I'll help you. No, it's it's about um, um, it's, it's about really about building relationships. It's more of a relational process than it is about uh, a transactional process. And so yeah, it's about, hey, let me let me help you. Let me build this relationship with you, find a way that I can assist you. And then hopefully through that relationship, it'll come back around. And it may not even come back around directly from you. It might come back around from somebody that you've talked to about me. And then that's all. You know, it, it, it comes back around. Um, it, there's actually, um, it's actually uh, uh, anchored in social capital theory, and it's called right. the law of reciprocity, and uh, how people who are really there to help one another, um, when, they, when they give first, then others really want to step up and help them in return. Wow.
1: Brad, you got to let me jump in here. Yeah, go ahead. Yeah, all right. I want to get a turn here. Dr. Meisner, uh, I recently interviewed Gina Best, a graduate of your referral marketing institute, and learned a fair bit about it from chatting with her. And and uh, there, are, I guess there are, well, not guess, I know that you've put together a system and a process to be effective at networking. It's not just showing up and shaking a lot of hands and giving out a lot of business cards and hugging a lot of people. There, and there's some etiquette behind it as well, because I know I'm somewhat of a bull in a china shop and a connector. And and sometimes I've done some things where more professional people than me have pointed out, hey, dumb. when you do that kind of thing, there's a process for doing it. And so talk about the Referral Marketing Institute and uh, you know, how you put together some best practices and etiquettes to be effective at networking. It's not like just being a politician and showing up and shaking hands and kissing babies.
2: Yeah, you're absolutely right. So the Referral Institute uh, is an organization that I founded uh, about 10 years ago. And it the did- Sometimes people are confused between BNI and the referral institute the, the best way to describe it is the referral institute is the game plan and BNI is the playing field so the referral institute helps teach people how to build their business through referrals BNI is, is the place where you can execute part of that strategy and the referral institute is uh, really goes deep and tries to help people um, build a, a plan for generating business and the core to everything I teach in referral institute begins with a concept called the vcp process vcp stands for visibility credibility profitability first you have to be visible in the community people have to know who you are and what you do and then and only then can you establish credibility where people know who you are they know what you do and they know you're good at it And and again, this is chronological. You have to start with visibility, then you have to move to credibility. And then from credibility, you can get to profitability, where people know who you are, they know what you do, uh, they know you're good at it, and they are willing to pass you referrals on an ongoing reciprocal basis. Mm -hmm. What tends to happen is that people meet one another and they try to jump over visibility. They try to jump over credibility. They, They do that transactional thing. Hi, my name's Ivan. Let's do business. They try to get right to profitability. And that's where networking really goes wrong. In the uh, gender book, in the business networking and sex book, we call that premature solicitation, which you don't (laughs) want to say fast three times, get you in trouble. So here's just one one other point on this. This is so important. Here's the mentality that people have when they go to networking events, the wrong mentality. I went to an event in the United Kingdom years ago, uh, 900 people in the audience I was the keynoter, and I asked the 900 people. I said, "Let me let me start with a question. How many of you are here today? Raise raise your hands. If you're here hoping to, you know, just maybe possibly sell something, guys, 900 people raised their hands <laughs> in the entire room. Okay. Now here was the next question. I said, "All right, second question. How many of you are here today? Raise your hands. You know, just hoping possibly to buy something." No one raised their hand. (laughs) Not one single person. (laughs) This is what I call the networking disconnect. People show up wanting to sell and nobody's there to buy. And that's why some people hate, absolutely hate networking because they go to an event and it's sell, sell, sell. Instead, you should be working through the VCP process visibility, credibility, profitability.
0: That's. That is fantastic. That is the model. I love that question because that sets the tone for the room, and that's what a lot of these network events, because everybody listening has been to some sort of networking event, and this is the secret agenda that's behind everyone in the room. So everybody wants to sell, and it goes right back to that hunter mentality i've gotta yeah, gotta kill something to eat today.
2: Yeah, it, it absolutely does. That's what happens, and they're so focused on selling that they really offend or they put people off, um, or they or they feel like they're being sold to, and that almost never works. Look, inevitably somebody comes up to me when I I talk about this in a large audience, and somebody says, "Yeah, but Ivan, I sold something, you know, a month ago at a networking event," and I'm like, "Guy, even a blind squirrel can find a nut." You, you know, you'll stumble over business. That's not what I'm talking about. I'm not talking about stumbling over business because you're right. If you hand out a card and somebody happens to be looking for your business at that moment, then you, you might get a sale. But I'm talking about ongoing referrals. And the only way someone's going to give you an ongoing referral is if they know you and trust you. Because when you give a referral, you give a little bit of your reputation away. Mm-hmm. If if you give a good referral, you enhance your reputation. But if you give a bad referral, you hurt your reputation. And that's why credibility is the, really the linchpin process of the VCP process. Yeah. And then so and I'm glad one. I got the next question.
1: Yeah, go <laughs> ahead, Tom. Go. We're <laughs> now, Dr. Dr. Meisner, I heard you
2: on a Napoleon it, it, guys, Foundation guys, call, call me, program. Call me Ivan, please. Sure. sure. Oh, okay. (laughs) Ivan, I uh, I heard you on Napoleon Hill. You know what PhD stands for, don't you? No. Uh -uh. Pilot Higher and Deeper. (laughs) (laughs) You got statistics, I'm sure, for that, right? (laughs) No problem. Sorry, I keep interrupting you. You Go ahead.
1: No problem. Uh, I heard you on a Napoleon Hill Foundation Nightingale-Conan program talking about the processes and systems I think Canadians say processes different than Americans. I think you guys say processes. But the processes and systems, you have people, 6,600 chapters, every continent in the world, mostly entrepreneurs, which is like trying to herd cats. And so you you have a big manual and a, a lot of systems and processes that you put in place to be able to grow the business. It's a business as much as a movement uh, around the world as it is. And so talk about the importance of of having those processes, systems, metrics, manuals, and all those things you have.
2: Yeah. Well, listen, they're really, really important. Uh, And I I want to talk about that, but there's one other piece I want to add to it because the processes don't work if you don't add sort of the secret sauce to it. But the processes are key, absolutely key. If you want to make your business scalable, You have got to write things down so that other people can understand the process. And then you have to train people on how to do that process effectively. So you have to have the systems, you have to have the process, and you have to stick to it. I really believe that if you want to be successful in business, you have to do six things a thousand times, not a thousand things six times. And by writing things down and having the process and having the system uh, and doing it over and over and over again consistently, I believe that you have a much greater chance of success. Now, uh, we're all about systems, and you're right. We literally, in BNI, have a 900-page manual on how to run a -a one-and-a-half-hour meeting. Now, I know that sounds crazy, but there's a lot of aspects to a BNI meeting beyond the one and a half hour meeting, and so we have we have a system. But but here's the here's the secret sauce to it. People don't care about how to do something until they understand why they should do something. People don't care about how until they understand why. And so you know where my program is run best. It's run by people who really spend time. Training and explaining the why to various aspects, so that you get buy-in. And once you have buy-in, magic happens. People want to help one another, and that's why you see. I mean, literally, we have new numbers now from the numbers you reported in um, last year. We just got these numbers in last year. We generated uh, uh, 6.6 million referrals, and 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 from that, the members past eight point six billion dollars worth of business for for each other all around the world. Eight point six billion. Just so you know eight point six billion is the same as the gross domestic product for the country of Liechtenstein. Okay, it's a small country, I know, but still but, yeah. how cool is that that we could generate as much business as a small nation in the world. I'm I'm looking for a bigger nation next year, but I, I still think it's pretty good.
0: <laughs> there you go. <laughs> Hey, Tom, I, right, just wanted to jump in. I just wanted to jump in here real quick. You, uh, we were actually talking about this before you came on uh, the podcast today, and that is uh, I've been an entrepreneur for over 35-plus years, and uh, Tom as well has been an entrepreneur, and it's that shift into process and systems that you can count on that sets one entrepreneur apart from actually having a solid business uh, that can grow, that you can count on, that you can actually say, I have a structure. Uh, And I think this is incredibly important for a lot of people out there who, uh, you know, are are winging it, and they're trying to find that next piece of business, and they're panicking. And you threw a little bit of Bruce Lee in there, and that is, you know, I don't fear the guy who does a thousand different kicks, I fear the guy who does one kick a thousand Times uh, which goes back to the karate metaphor, but it's like if you get good at six things really well, that's what you're going to get known for, and that ties into your credibility part
2: yeah, very true, absolutely correct uh, it It really is about you know consistency and doing things that uh work and and you may say well how do you how do you know if you work well if they work well. You know, you, in in what you're doing, you find things that work consistently. But to be honest with you, the best thing to do is to model other people who are successful. Look at others who have been really successful and apply those concepts over and over and over again.
0: That is so true.
1: Neat. Uh, Ivan, let's talk about some of the things probably people don't talk about because it's all about, again, transactional... Uh, male based networking a lot of times but black belt in karate and amateur magician well first of all brad is a black belt in karate as well i see lots of these pictures on facebook of him kicking somebody's butt and uh so uh, and an amateur magician uh, how do you find time to do that and where do you use the magic and uh, uh, where do you do karate because those are pretty cool pastimes
2: Well, you know, I I started getting into magic uh, when my kids were little. Um, I actually went to a magic store. It was a toy store, and they had some magic there. And I did a couple of magic tricks for my daughter. And she was like, oh, that's fantastic. Show me another one. And I ran out. And so I went back to the store, and I bought, like, every magic trick they had. And, uh, you know, if you can find something that your kids think you're good at or or think <laughs> or, or are impressed with, then, you know, you just you go in with both feet. And I ended up starting to collect. I found a magic store that had profession, professional magic. And uh, I just started buying uh, professional magic tricks and I ended up collecting an amazing collection of, of magic uh joined the Academy of Magical Arts, which is known as the Magic Castle uh, in Los wow. Angeles, and I'm um, a magician member for um, probably close to 20 years. I am an amateur magician, though. I, I don't I do not do professional gigs. The only gigs I've ever done were for my kids and uh, at their birthday parties. Wow. But, um, but it was a lot of fun. I really enjoyed it. Still a member of the Magic Castle, even though my kids are grown up and out of the house. For martial arts, I um, I got back into martial arts when I broke my leg, and uh, I needed to uh, uh, rehabilitate, and uh, I found it to be a great way to do that, and and stuck with it until I don't don't know. uh, Brad, you're you're the martial
0: artist, is that right? Yes, I am. Uh, I'm a first degree black belt in. the mixed martial art of Kenpo jiu Jitsu, uh, which nice. is kind of like what you see on the UFC, and uh, ironically, yeah. I've broken bones <laughs> at my dojo <laughs> so You joined to rehabilitate, I joined and started getting broken bones
2: <laughs> well, I don't know I don't know how you feel about this, but I was told when I started the program that a first don, a first degree, is a beginner. <laughs> Mm-hmm. And uh, I thought that was nonsense until yeah. I became a first-degree black belt, and then I I fully understand how they truly oh, are beginners.
0: It is true. It, it's yeah, I I liken it to this. Everybody's like, "Oh, you're a black belt." I go, "Look." If you went to college to become a doctor or a surgeon, let's say, you go through eight years, then a residency, and and all this, you're not yet a surgeon, okay? You you are. When they let you go and let you operate on your own, that's when you're a surgeon. And it's the same with the black belt. I've trained, so now I can at least know what I'm doing at the basic level. That's really what it is. You are truly a beginner.
2: Yeah, very true. So the, those uh, those are a lot of you know some of the fun things that I've done
0: uh,
2: in life um, other than business. <laughs> always oh,
1: nice to be uh, fun uh, and always nice to have kids around
2: when there's a the magician. So you must be very popular uh, at <laughs> friends
1: and neighbors and that sort of thing.
2: Well, my kids are now uh, you know the, the youngest is 20, uh, 21. So uh, <laughs> they, they don't bring their kids around uh, their friends around too much anymore.
0: Well, I've noticed this next generation, and this ties in, actually, to how things have changed over the years. I'm sure you've noticed that your children are very different than previous generations. Have you noticed that?
2: Yeah, of course. um, Millennials uh, are definitely uh different. Definitely different than, uh, than the baby boomers and even the Gen Xers out there.
0: Right. Well, I first started noticing this back in the 90s. Uh, I started one of the first dot com companies to build websites and things like this. And within less than three years, we were a publicly traded company and 60 employees in offices worldwide. And most of my staff was telling me off. And I said, What is in the Kool Aid? You know, it was yeah. what's in the drinking water? And um, I started to realize that this next generation is very different than the previous generations. And I don't know if you want to talk about this uh, in the, the Go Gearing model and also the, the Marketing Institute and BNI. Have you noticed a shift in this new generation? Are they hungrier to learn the techniques? Uh, are, are, is it harder to get them to come on board and see the value added of what you do?
2: We have a, a pretty sizable population of um under 30 uh, in, in our organization. Uh, you know, the, the, the largest percentage has remained pretty consistently uh, in, in the 40s. Uh, but that even started in day one back in 1985 when I started BNI. Um, because it, we don't teach this in colleges and universities anywhere in the world. We mm-hmm. don't teach people how to network. It's not in the curriculum. And so what would happen when I started BNI, most of the people who were joining were people Who'd been in business? They'd struggled. They knew how difficult it was to generate business through referrals, and um, they they gravitated to a process. So um, we didn't have too many, you know, people in their twenties. when I started BNI, I was 28 years old. I was oh. for the first for the first 10 chapters the youngest person in my organization. So even then, there weren't young people. So, um, you know, we don't see a huge percentage in B&I. It's, uh, yeah, I don't know how the exact number, but I would guess it's around 20%, um, maybe maybe a little more there in B&I that are, you know, under 30. But I think part of that really is because we still don't teach networking in colleges and universities anywhere in the world. And what we see happen is that when people start getting into their late 20s or early 30s, they have enough experience under the belt to recognize, hey, this, this is a great way to get business. And they end up joining the organization. Our, our youngest member is 16. He had to get his parents' permission to join. Wow. And you'll love, you'll love this. He he um, runs a martial arts studio. <laughs> that's fantastic! Wow, that's cool. He actually owns a martial arts studio. With His parents are the legal owners of it, but he's the sensei. Mm. And you'll love this: our oldest BNI member just turned 100. Wow! Wow! That's amazing. And he he's a roofing contractor, if you can believe that.
0: <laughs> that see wow. that that's the, that's wow. right there, that's a testament to what you do. Uh, right there, um, <laughs> we do, we aren't taught the skills. We truly aren't taught what the skills are to not only network properly, but to create relationships in business as well as life. And I think this is the key that's missing. We've all been taught that the skills that we have at home as parents uh, don't translate into the business world and vice versa. And we're starting to learn that the skills and the credibility and the value that you bring to the table truly are, uh, they can go back and forth. And you bring that out in the business world. Nice. They can
2: and and do, and I think the other piece of it is the culture that you create in, in your organization. Because I really believe that culture eats strategy for breakfast. Uh,
0: yes, as, I do as, as well. As, imp,
2: as important as strategy is, and uh, and I'm a, really a, a, a process oriented, systems oriented guy. I realize that culture is is really the key that if you can create a, a culture of cooperation and participation and full engagement, um, you're much more likely to have a successful organization. Amen.
1: Before we go, I wanna before we go, I want to give a shout out to your assistant, Anne Marie Longenecker. Longenecker, yeah. That that lady is amazing. She should be giving courses around the world on how to be a, an efficient amazing assistant Uh, I've I've done hundreds of these radio shows and she came up with questions and ideas and a few things I was like oh yeah that's a good idea (laughs) have backup numbers all these things and so give me a shout out to Anne-Marie but she made me uh, cross my heart and hope to die that I wouldn't keep you longer than 45 minutes
2: well thank you and I'll make sure and pass that on to her and I'm sure she'll hear that uh, in this uh, this interview I appreciate you saying that
0: uh, very much Thank you so much for your time today, Ivan and Brad. Yes, thank you so much. It was a real honor.
2: Thank you. If I can leave you with one last thought, um, Mm -hmm. I think uh, one of the most important things I've learned in the last 30 years of running the world's largest networking organization is that it's not what you know or who you know that counts. It's how well you know each other. That's the key. It's all about going deep and building relationships and that's how you build a powerful personal network. Thanks for the interview, guys. I appreciate it. Oh, yeah. Thank you. And Thanks, if anyone's John. interested, they can go to BNI.com for my website for the company right. or <laughs> com for my blog. A lot of free content up there, IvanMeisner.com.
0: Thank you so much. Thanks, guys. I really appreciate it. Thank you, Tom. Yeah. Bye-bye. Thanks, gentlemen.